If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in John 10 today. John 10, 10 through 11, 14, and 27. We're going to get there in just a minute. As Eli mentioned, we're three weeks in, or two weeks in, I'm sorry, this is the second week of our prayer series. And so we talked about last week desiring prayer. And really what we wanted to do is we wanted to cast a vision for what we wanted our prayer lives to be like. And we said three things, basically. Number one, we wanted a Moses-like prayer life. The Bible says that Moses and God had a relationship where they talked face-to-face like friends. That's amazing, right? That's what we want. We want a Moses-like prayer life where we're so connected with the Lord where it's just like friends talking back and forth. We also mentioned that we wanted to be so strong in prayer that we earn a reputation of that where people from all over the county, the state, send their requests to Family Christian Center because when those people pray, mountains are moved. And so that's our hope. And then the third thing that we talked about was how we don't want anyone to feel guilty about where their prayer life is. The disciples who followed Jesus every single day were looked at or looked at Jesus one day when he was off in prayer and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is not something that you can arrive at. It's very much a journey that we are all on. And that's why we're doing this series. A few months ago, I was very much challenged in my relationship with God and in my prayer life specifically. And immediately, I grabbed a couple of books um, that I found online, and I started reading them because I really wanted to grow in this area. And one of those books is the one that we are going through together as a staff. And of course, several people in the church are reading it as well. And I'm going to read some quotes from this book Uh, today, but the book is called Prayer, uh, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God by Timothy Keller. And so, of course, I've been reading that, reading scriptures on prayer and studying that together to kind of grow in my relationship with God. And I'm hoping that you're taking that challenge and you're doing the same thing as well. So as we dive into week number two, we have subtitled this one, Understanding Prayer. And so I want to read on page 120 a section of this to help us today as we try and dive in into understanding prayer. I fear that many contemporary books on prayer try to give readers a key or some kind of experience of, aha, so that's the secret of prayer. Such a thing simply does not exist. In the other extreme is to say only that prayer cannot be reduced to principles, but there is nothing to say about it other than try hard and keep at it. But if prayer were completely ineffable, when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus would have responded, I can't. It's just indefinable. But he did not say that. He did not say that prayer is a sound like one hand clapping. Rather, he gave the disciples a set of words. He gave them the Lord's Prayer. And so we see that there is some principles that we can learn. And it's not an aha, oh, secret that we're going to just arrive at. Prayer is a a journey. And so we're going to try and dive into understanding prayer and what that looks like for all of us. And we're going to dive into one question in particular today, probably the most popular question I get um, as a pastor. And so let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and help us to see and recognize your truth. Father, that we would grow today in all in intimacy with you. That not one person would leave this place the same, but everybody in here would have a greater knowledge of who you are. And Father, that that would just lead them into a greater experience with you. 
We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. John 10, verse 10 and 11, and then 14 and verse 27. I want to read this, and you can read the whole section, but I'm just going to read these verses. You can read the whole section uh, on your own. Very, very good section of Scripture. But it says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How many people in here want abundant life? That was not enough hands. <laughs> I tell you, I can't, if you don't want abundant life, I'll take yours. I'll take it. But I want abundant life. For real, I want abundant life. The, bio, the verse after that says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. He is the good shepherd and he has come to lay down his life for his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, there's a reason I'm reading this verse, and the reason I'm reading this verse is because there's a question that I get often. In fact, I had it this week, and that question is this, how do I know it's God? When I'm praying, and when I'm asking, and when I have a big decision in front of me, how do I know it's God? That is a great question. I'm glad you asked that question because we are going to talk about that question today. How do I know it's God? The answer is this, and it's relatively simple, but it is not easy. The answer is this, you know the language. That's how you know it's God. Let me give you an example. My wife and I, we're fighting, we're not getting along. This is a hypothetical, so you don't have to talk to her after church and be like, are you guys okay? Yes, we are, okay. But we're fighting, we're not getting along. I call my dad, a man that I trust and love, have a great relationship with. Dad, I'm struggling, Ruth and I have been fighting. Um, she simply will not do what I say, and, and she needs to. And on the other line, Dad responds, all right, Andy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk into that bedroom. Is she in the bedroom? Yes, she's in the bedroom. I want you to walk into that bedroom. I want you to grab her by the throat, and I want you to punch her in the face. And you know what I would say? Adam, is that you? That's what I would say, Right? I would say, Adam is, Adam's my brother for you guys that don't know. I'd be like, is that you? And you know why? Because I understand that it is simply not what my father would tell me. It's not. It is not what my dad would say. And the only reason I know that it's not what my dad would say is because I have a relationship with my dad, and I call him because I know his advice would be great. And so when you want to know if it's God or not, well, you have to understand the language. You have to know who he is, what he's about. You have to have that foundation. You have to be rooted in truth and in the word. And then when you hear those voices, it is easy. It is easy to discern which one is the good shepherd and which one is not. It is easy. How do you do it? You know the language. My people, I'm the good shepherd. Know my voice and follow me. How do you know his voice? You know the language. You have a foundation built on a relationship with him. And so we're going to talk about kind of how to develop that and what that looks like today. I have another quote that I want to read from this section of, of Scripture because I think this is very, very true, and it just kind of um, sets up exactly what we're talking about in another paragraph from this book. I'm going to use this every single week, guys. It's a very good book. We're kind of going through it to learn together. But it says this, Eugene Peterson reminds us 
Now, because we learned language so early in our lives, we have no memory of the process. And would therefore imagine that it was we who took the initiative to learn how to speak. However, that is not the case. Language is spoken into us. We learn language only as we are spoken to. We are plunged at birth into a sea of language. Then slowly, syllable by syllable, we acquire the capacity to answer. Mama, papa, bottle, blanket, yes, and of course the most popular word, no. Not one of these words was a first word. All speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke. In years since Peterson wrote, Studies have shown that children's ability to understand and communicate is profoundly affected by the number of words and the breadth of vocabulary to which they are exposed as infants and toddlers. We speak only to the degree that we are spoken to. Language is spoken into us, and all speech is answering speech. That's two of the principles that I want us to understand there. How do we know it's the voice of God? Well, we immerse ourselves into the language of the Lord. What's spoken into us comes out, and we have an understanding, a, a deep understanding of who God is. And, and this, guys, this can be relatively simple, too. It can. I have it all the time where someone would be like, man, I felt like God asked me to give this to somebody, and I just was like, man, I'm just not, not sure if that's God or not. And I'm like, doesn't sound much like Satan. I mean, it just doesn't, right? I mean, that, I've not had Satan whisper in my voice, ooh, I want you to be a giver. No, I mean, doesn't that sound like something that would come from God? Yes, it does. Okay, so go ahead and do it, right? Plus, on top of that, what are you losing? You know, the Bible tells us to give and it will be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So we know what the words, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but we understand the language, right? It's not as complicated as we make it out to be. I mean, simply we could ask, does that sound like God? Does it sound like something he would say? Or does that sound like the voice of a stranger? Punching my wife in the face, not the voice of my father. He would not say that. He would tell her to go in and show her love and be kind and generous. Those are the words that he would speak to me. That's why when I'm angry with her, I don't call him, right? Nobody else thought that was funny. Okay, moving on because we know the language, okay? So how do we learn the language? Well, we immerse ourselves in it. How do we do that? Well, it starts with the Word of God, right? Scripture is the easiest way to dive in and to understand the way the, the, the Lord speaks to us, to understand the voice of the shepherd. Oftentimes, people will ask me, how do I know that it's God? And I say, well, I usually compare it to the Scripture. That's what I do. And if there is Scripture that is opposed to it, not God. If there's scripture that lines up with it, God. That's how you decide. Why? Because I've studied the scripture long enough that I know the language. And people will often say, well, I don't know that much about the word. Well, it's time to develop that. Immerse yourself in it. Because when you do, that's how you determine if it's God or not. Also, great Bible teachings, great Bible readings, great Bible podcasts, Bible-based podcasts and stuff. 
Those things can really help you grow in understanding the language. They really can. You start with the Bible first, because in a lot of these things, I will come across something, and I'll be like, mm, I don't really agree with that because the Word says this. Because not every person gets it exactly right. You know why? Because we people, and people is stupid, and we make mistakes. So we start with the foundation of the Word, but what can really accent that and help us is great readings, great teachings. And all of us should be diving into those with Bible-based teaching. All of us should. That doesn't mean you believe everything that, that is told. We compare that to the Word. The Bible tells us to do that. But we have great Bible-based teachings that we can go into. Number three is we have to start ridding ourselves of other voices. So when we immerse ourselves in the language of the gospel and the Word and in teachings and and podcasts, and readings, and, and friendships, small groups, other people that are like-minded, that are going the same direction. We immerse ourselves in those. We also need to rid ourselves of the garbage and the trash. I, I, I tell you, there, there is so, so much going on in our world today, so many voices, and the world is so loud. The universe is so loud that it can be hard to be quiet and hear the voice of God. And so we have to be very, very intentional about immersing ourselves in the right language and ridding ourselves of the bad and negative language. And, and as I read that, that section, the very first section that I read, uh, not the, f the first one, the second one, I actually asked myself, okay, what voices am I listening to? Because the language that is spoken into me is also the language that's going to come out of me. And garbage comes in, garbage goes out. Goodness comes in, goodness goes out. So what language am I allowing to speak to me? And we have, and the Bible tells us this, we have to guard our hearts because out of it comes so much, comes the fountains of life. And so we have to guard, we have to protect our hearts and what we allow in. And so we need to rid ourselves, rid ourselves. And, and it says it over and over in the scripture, flee certain things, put to death certain things, run from, rid ourselves of malice, of en envy, of anger. Why does it say that? Because those are, those are voices that will feed your mind and will pull you away from the voice of the good shepherd. And so you don't want that in your life, so you have to rid yourself. And number four, one of the best ways, of course, to learn the language is through prayer. See, I'm, I'm old school. You want to be good at prayer? Practice praying. That's what you do. You want to develop and grow in this area? You do it. You just, you just get out there and you do it. And we'll talk about exactly how and some truths about that here because I want us to establish some truths, but that's what you do. You get out and you pray. You pray. Andy, my prayer life is weak. Well, how much did you practice last week? Well, I didn't do that at all. Do you expect a football team to be good without practicing? No. Do you expect Serena Williams to be an amazing tennis player without practicing? No. Tiger Woods to be great at golf without practicing? No. I mean, he's one of the greatest in the world. Still has a golf coach. Why? Because he's got practice to be good. You want your prayer life to grow? You've got to practice. You've got to get out there, and you've got to get it done. And so if you really want to understand and learn the language of the Lord, start talking. Start listening. Start spending time in prayer. Um, as we come here, I have six truths that I want us to establish. Six prayer truths today that we're going to base on the scripture and I'm going to inform you so that we can kind of maybe have a greater knowledge 
of who God is and the right language and how to hear it. Truth number one, God is relational and wants a relationship with you. That's truth number one. God is relational and wants a relationship with you. I was sitting in and, and had the privilege, and I, and I loved it to be part of an ordination process for one of my uh, really close, uh, great friends. And so he was being ordained by um, the Southern Baptist Organization, and so I was part of the voting committee that got to ask him questions, got to kind of, you know, interview him and then vote him in um, as part of their ministry organization. And so as we were sitting there and we were asking questions, one of the guys brought up, and it was kind of crazy. I, I do not like situations like this. I think I would panic and probably wet myself. But the way it was is there are five or six pastors sitting there all lined up, and he's in a chair by himself, and we are just kind of pelting him with questions. I seriously passed out. I would have gone. I, I, I would not have handled that super well. But one of the questions that I thought was fantastic was the guy asked, so why is the Trinity important? Why is it important to understand that God has three parts, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not in that chair. I have no idea how to answer that question. None at all, you know? And so, but the answer was so good. I, I just was like, this was amazing. His response was because that helps us to see that God is a relational being. That God has three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I loved this part. He said, you know, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit perspective, which is really, really good, kind of leads us into why man was created. See, we think man was created because God needed somebody to have a relationship with, when indeed it was more Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were loving each other so much that they thought to themselves, gosh, we need some kind of creation that we can also pour this into. And I was like, man, that's so good. I absolutely love it. I'm going to steal it. And so I did. And, and <laughs> that's why we're talking about it today. Because it's fantastic, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're, we're, we're together, loving on, one each other, on each other so much. And they were like, you know what we need? We need a creation that we can pour this into. They didn't need relationship with us. They had relationship, but they had so much of it. They wanted to give. Wow, really, really good. And when I think about that, it makes me think about how God is a relational being and he wants a relationship with you. D.L. Moody said this, some people think God does not like to be troubled with our constant coming and asking. The way to trouble God is to not come at all. And I think there's truth to that, right? God doesn't mind you coming and asking, just like I don't mind my kids coming and asking. Well, sometimes. Um, I want relationship with my children, right? I want and that's what God wants with you. It's way better for them to nag me than for me not to see them at all. Because I love my kids and I want to be in relationship with them. And I'd rather them nag me than not be around. And some of us know that truth all too well. Luke 18, 1. Colossians 4, Luke 18 says this, and he told them the parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. These are about our consistency with prayer. God wants us to have that relationship and to pray always. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, pray without stopping. God wants a relationship with you. He wants you, see, he's with us every single day. And I think to myself how often and how horrible it would be 
if I had somebody that I was with all day long and they spoke to me about six minutes in the morning and then ignored me the rest of the day, I would be bored to death. I would not be happy with that person. But if I was doing life with them and they just simply acknowledged me all the time, how much more pleasing would that be? Because I want relationship as well. Truth number two, God is not looking for impressive words. Let me let you in on a secret. You do not have to be impressive with with your words when it comes to prayer. God already knows how dumb you are. (laughs) Secret revealed. He knows. He knows. You do not have to go up and show up and and try and, you know, impress him with your words. Uh, Honestly, um, Steve, who's not here, he left, but one of my favorite things about him is his prayers are just short and direct. And I love that. You don't have to go and do these crazy things. It's just, you know what? Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Wow. I mean, you just acknowledged him, and it doesn't have to be long. Anyways, we have these, these verses, Matthew 6, 7 and 8. says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You don't have to have a lot of words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You see, he already knows, doesn't he, what you need. You, you don't, he, he doesn't need you to do a whole bunch of words. He already knows what you need, but you know what you do have to do? You have to ask, because that's what the Bible and the Word tells us. You don't have it because you don't ask. God knows what you need. Ask. And the Bible tells us in several parts. You know, one of them, one of my favorite ones is, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask, and he will give freely. Yeah. What? We should be saying that prayer every day. Some of us more than others. But we should be asking God every single day for wisdom. Why? Because the Bible tells us he'll give it. You ask, he will. That's super powerful. Truth number three. God's throne is a throne of grace. See, I think often we're afraid of approaching God because we think of God's throne as a throne of judgment. We think of God's throne as a throne of execution where when I show up, he's ready to chop my head off. And that is simply not what the Bible and how the Bible describes it, especially for believers. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Did you know that? We, we don't have... We don't have a mediator who is Jesus who is not tempted and did not experience life exactly the way we do. He can have compassion. He, he, he can be sincere in his responses. Why? Because he was tempted and he didn't sin. So we have that. So therefore, in verse six, 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, Jesus experienced temptation. So he knows when you're experiencing temptation. And you can show up to that throne of grace, and you can receive mercy and help in your time of need. I mean, that that should encourage us. That should inspire us to pray more. Does, Does God judge? Yes. Yes, he does. But for the believer, we have a mediator in Jesus who paid for that so that we can enter the throne of grace 
That's powerful, church. Truth number four, we get to talk directly to God through the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit, so that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Also, 16, 23, and 24. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So we get to approach the Father, and of course, we know the Lord's Prayer starts that way. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, we're addressing the Father. And then we, we close it in the name of Jesus, who is our mediator. So we get to approach God and ask anything through the name of Jesus. We get to talk to the Father. He has granted us access to the Father. That is truth number four. Truth number five, there are so many types of prayers. In fact, I think it, when we go through these, and, and I have 13, I'm sure there's more than that, but I have 13 written down here. When we go through these, you guys might be like, wow, I pray so much more than I thought, and you probably do. You probably do pray more than you thought. Because we think of prayer usually very, very narrow-minded. We think of it as a moment to sit down and to put our requests into God, and then we listen and wait for an answer. And prayer is so much bigger than that. In fact, there are so many things that we talk about over and over again that's kind of fun. We, we have these little sayings, and one of them is this. It's simple but not easy. Well, prayer is neither simple nor easy. It's complex and can be very, very difficult because it's something that you just have to grow in as well. And so there's some complexity to this. It's deep. There's a lot to it. And so anyways, I wrote these down. These are different prayers that I just recognize from the Scripture. One, the prayer of salvation. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Two, prayer of repentance, which is what Eli was talking about confession and forgiveness. Confess your sins and he is faithful and just forgive us your sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Prayer of repentance. Adoration, which is prayers of praise and worship. Um, I, I read the quote last week by St. Augustine that he who sings prays twice. What does that mean? That just means, you know, when I'm singing to the Lord and when I'm praising the Lord, God, you are amazing. You are amazing. That's, that's prayer right there. Thanksgiving. You know, it's funny, I was on the golf course the other day, and it was just a beautiful day. And I just said to myself, Lord, thank you for this gorgeous day and this time that I get to spend with my friends. I mean, I was just acknowledging him out there, and it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Intercession, praying for other people, standing in the gap for others and their needs. Supplication, bringing your requests um, in front of the Lord or your petitions. Consecration, prayers that say, Lord, not my will, but your will. That's the prayer that Jesus said when he said, you know what? I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to bear this pain. But Lord, not my will, your will. This prayer is an important prayer for me because I had to use it several times. There have been several people uh, in my lifetime that I have prayed for. And there have been several people that I've seen miracles with. But there have been several people that I have went in, laid my hands on, who were on their deathbed that I thought were way too young to die or God needed to heal them. And some of them, I was certain God was going to heal them. And he didn't. And they died. And in the end, this prayer was my prayer, and it remains my prayer today. Lord, I don't understand it all, 
but not my will, your will be done, and I still will trust you. That's my prayer, and that prayer of consecration has been something that's very, very valuable and important to me because I don't get it. I don't get it sometimes. Next prayer, prayer of agreement, where people are praying something and I'm just agreeing along with them. Prayers of healing. The Bible says that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, so it's not just physical healing. It's also emotional. It's also mental. God wants us to be healed and whole, so there's prayers of healing. There's corporate prayers, prayers where we get together as a group that we see the disciples do often in Acts. There's praying the Scripture, where we see that too in the New Testament, where guys will just quote to the Lord what's going on in the Scripture and the promises that they have, which leads us to prayers of faith, where it's like, Lord, your word says this, I'm standing on this. And then there's praying in tongues as well. Those are the prayers that I see um, in the Scripture. And so when we look at that, we're thinking, oh my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot more to this prayer, which leads me to truth number six, which it's not about the amount of time you pray. It's really about how connected you are with God. You see, God is with you every single day. And all of those prayers can be a part of every single day. Because God is a relational being who wants a relationship with you. And you can have prayers of thanksgiving 12 times today and acknowledge God. You can have prayers of, of repentance. You can have prayers of adoration, praise, worship, thanksgiving, intercession. You can have prayers of supplication. Lord, I need this. I need this done and I need it today. Lord, please, please grant and fulfill this request. All of those things. Why? Because God wants that time with you. It's not about the amount of time you pray. It's about how connected you are with God. Smith Wigglesworth quote, and I want to close with this. I don't ever pray any longer than 20 minutes, but I never go 20 minutes without praying. See, that's prayer. And I'm hoping, church, for all of us, that we will immerse ourselves in prayer, in scripture, in good Bible teaching and reading, and also rid ourselves of the stranger's voice because we want to hear the good shepherd. We want to follow him. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We just ask that you'll continue to lead us, help us to grow. Lord, you know so much more than we do. And so, Father, we lean into you and your truth. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.